Uh, we've been looking at the three main characters of the story. Uh, we started with uh, Joseph, or with Mary, and we talked about how God uh, used her in this story. Last week we looked at Joseph and uh, this incredible guy that God chose to be the stepdad, if you will, of Jesus. And then this morning, appropriately, we're going to look at Jesus. Um, we've been asking ourselves a couple of questions. What do we learn about God? Uh, what do we learn about these people? And ultimately, what do we learn about Jesus? Um, we have been looking at, actually, the different gospel accounts. When we've talked about Mary, we looked at the story from Luke's perspective. When we talked about Joseph, we looked at the story from Matthew's perspective. And this morning, we're going to look at the story from John's perspective. Now, what you need to understand is that each one of the gospel has a different focus on Jesus Christ. Um, in uh, John, Jesus Christ, the focus is Jesus is the Son of God. And so in the gospel of John, you see a lot of the miracles and you see a lot of those kinds of references. Uh, in Matthew's king, so you have the story of the wise men and the magi and, and, and those. And then, again, each gospel has a different count. So this morning, um, we're looking at it from that perspective. We don't have a gospel account in the gospel of Mark of Jesus' birth because in the book of Mark, Jesus is presented as a servant. And no one cares when a servant was born. The fact is, he's a servant. In John, it's a unique version of the birth of Jesus Christ because he's presenting him as the Son of God, and God doesn't have a birth. He's always existed. So we're looking at the Gospel of John, and here's, here we go. Here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and if, you wanna, if it helps you, um, you can replace Jesus with Word. So in the beginning was Jesus, the way we would think of it. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then John talks about himself for a minute. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, he came to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, speaking of John, was not that light. He came only to be a witness to that light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came. To that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word, or Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now what's interesting is this idea right here, the Word, or Jesus, became flesh and made us dwelling among us. 
Actually, the idea of dwelling is tenting. It has a concept that's tied actually to the Old Testament and the idea of the, the tabernacle. But what happens is when we look at the life of Christ, we often focus on that which we see on the outside. We don't focus on the inside, the idea that he was God, that he was full of grace and truth. Some of you have already opened Christmas presents today. In our family, we're not celebrating Christmas till tomorrow. But I happen to know the procedure because I've done this for a while. And what's going to happen is somebody's going to hand me a gift, and it's either going to be in a gift bag or it's going to be wrapped up in a present. And here's a question for you this morning. What do you do with the wrapping? Now, some of you who've been around for a long time, save it. I'm not of that generation. Okay? I'm of the generation that we don't even wrap presents anymore. We put it in a bag and throw a piece of tissue paper over it, close it up, and go, here. Um, and then my wife collects all the bags, and we use them again next year, uh, is the way we do it. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the idea. What if you gave me a present this morning, and all I did was talk about the wrapping? I never opened it. I never enjoyed it. All I did was focus on the wrapping. You go, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to get your attention, to let you know I've given some attention to this. Here, open it up and enjoy the gift that's inside. What happens a lot of time is when we look at the life of Jesus, all we focus on is the outside. We focus on the wrapping. So often in life, is that not what we do? We focus on what's outside. We focus on this thing that we call life. We focus on the the, the external, the tent, so to speak. What's really important is what's inside. And in the Christmas story, that's what you have. You have John talking about this idea, and he says, let me tell you about what's important. Let me tell you about what's inside. Because the word came, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. He said, that's what's important. What's important is you understand not just what he did, but why he did it. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, we talk about this thing, and it's called the incarnation. It's the idea that God in flesh, God coming to this earth in flesh. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want you to focus, I want you to think about this morning what Jesus really did and what it really cost. One of the things that you see in the story is the humility of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians says it this way, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he says, God didn't look at heaven as something to hang on to. He was willing to humble himself and become obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But this idea of his humility, God, King of kings and Lord of lords, here's what he did. He decided that he would confine himself, so to speak, for a womb, to a womb for nine months. God, confined to this little space. Now, again, he's still God of very God. It's not like he just parked of the universe. He's still, you go, I don't understand it. How can I comprehend it? You can't. You can't comprehend all of it. It's too big an idea. And the scripture talks about it as a mystery. It's amazing what he does, but he comes. God, a very God, goes through a birth canal. 
God, a very God, is going to have someone feed him. God who has never eaten is now going to eat. God who has never used a restroom is now going to have to use a restroom. God who has never slept is now going to have to sleep. God who never tires is now going to get tired. God is going to feel pain. He's going to feel heartache. He's going to feel loss. He's going to understand everything that you and I have ever been through with the exception of sinning. Why? Because he loved us enough to come. There's an incredible humility in what God has done. But God understood that in order for us to have salvation, he had to get up close and personal. He had to become one of us. He loved us that much. And that's the thing that you can't miss in this story is God's love for you. God didn't just simply stand off in a distance and say, well, you know, they're kind of on their own. And by the way, isn't this what we do? I mean, come on, let's be honest. You pull up and somebody's standing on the side of the road with a sign. What do you do? What do you do? You kind of zip up ahead so you're in front of where they are? You kind of zip over to the other lane? Do you kind of look over at your car, pretend you're playing with something on the side? How do you handle it? Why? Because we don't like being up close and personal. We don't want to interact. But the very idea of the incarnation of Jesus coming to this earth, the Christmas story, is that he decided to get involved. He loved us that much. Because you see, as God, he can now understand because he's experienced everything we have experienced. As you head into this season, I know for a lot of people, this is a hard time of year. Because of loss, as you've lost a loved one or you've lost somebody that you cared about, he understands. He stood at the grave of one of his close friends, Lazarus, and weeps. And Christ, even though he knows he's going to raise him from there, he sees the grief and the heartache and the pain, and it breaks his heart. He understands. Um, you say, you know, you don't understand. You know, I, I, I'm a parent. I tried to do everything right. I'm watching my kids make some really bad choices, and it's impacting our family, and it's tearing everything apart. He understands. He created two children, Adam and Eve, put them in a perfect world, in a perfect environment, did everything absolutely right. And they basically looked at God and said, sorry, but no thanks. We're going to make our choice and go our way. It broke his heart. God understands what it's like to be a brokenhearted parent. People that say, well, you don't understand. It's, it's, It's tough for us financially. We had these plans and things are... Uh, financially, it's just next year we're worried about it and we don't know what's going to happen and da 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 da. And, and, and the money thing is just, it's such a pressure on. Scripture says he didn't own a pillow. He just pulled up a rock. He understand. He, in fact, he couldn't even pay his taxes. When it came time to pay taxes and they said, hey, Jesus, get some money to pay the taxes, he said, I don't know, go fishing. They go fishing, pull coin out of the fish's mouth, and pay the taxes with it. He gets it. He said, well, you don't understand. I, I, I'm in this job, and, 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 and I want a better job, and I want a better situation because people don't appreciate me, and they, they ask me to do things that I really shouldn't be doing and I don't really want to do. Really? 
He understands. God sent him on a mission to die for the sins of the world. 24 hours before that happens, we find him in the garden saying, God, look, I really don't want to do this. If it's possible, let's go to plan B. But if it's not possible, I'm here to do what you want. So your will be done, not mine. It's not what I want. It's what, I, what you want me to do. He understands. He understands. Why? Because he came in the flesh so that he could understand. People are talking behind my back. Everybody's saying all of this stuff. Believe me, he understands. You know, we don't talk about it, but in this culture, he would have been known as an illegitimate child. He would have, been, he would have grown up with everybody saying, that's, and I'm, again, because I have kids in here, that's the B child. We don't play with him. We don't talk to him. We don't want anything to do with him. Even as an adult, they looked at him and said, why are, we, why are you listening to this guy? He's a carpenter's kid. And yet, he was willing to do that. Why? Because he loved us. I don't get it. Because I know how unlovable I am at times. And yet, he loved us. Why? Because he understood it was the only way to save us. You see, the Bible is really clear. All the way back in Genesis, it lays out this principle. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no way to do away with sin unless there's a blood sacrifice. And in order for there to be blood, there has to be a body. So God comes in the flesh. Jesus, that baby that we talk about and focus on and spend so much emphasis on, Come so that he can die in our place and shed his blood. And offer us a gift to anybody who says yes. This tomorrow, my family is going to give me gifts, I hope. I have a choice. What am I going to do with it? I'm going to open it, embrace it. I'm going to say thanks, but no thanks. It's not mine until I take it. Until that, I remember years ago, in in, in the old building we had this happen. Um, Somebody had brought a gift for somebody, but they didn't put a tag on it. We didn't know whose it was. We didn't know who it was from. And I remember it sat on the the, uh, coat rack in the lobby for months. And I still don't know what happened to it. But yet it was a gift that had been offered, but it was a gift that had never been received. Two lessons for us today. First of all, please understand that Jesus loved you and came to save you. He paid the price. He loved you so much that he humbled himself, came to this earth, wrapped himself in human flesh, lived a sinless life, and died a voluntary death on the cross for you and for me. He did that because he had to shed his blood without the shedding, but it was a perfect sacrifice. 
And then he turns around and says, okay, I lived a perfect life. I don't need this, but I will offer it to anybody else who wants it. It's your call what you do with it. I have people that say, well, you don't understand. I, you know, I just think there are many ways to heaven. Let me say this. If there were many ways to heaven, then Jesus would not have done what he did. And while he was here, he was explicit. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. If there was any, and one of the last things that he does, one of the last prayers that he has to the Father is, Father, if it's possible, let's not do this. But if this is the only way, then I'm willing to do it so that they can have a gift of salvation. And if you think that a God who loved you so much that he went to the cross for you and offers you eternal life just by simply accepting it, if you think that you can stand before that God one day and say, let me in because I was blank. I was a good person. I did this. I jumped through all these hoops. I did all of these things. Then please hear me this morning. Then it invalidates Christmas. It invalidates everything that Jesus Christ said. There is only one way, and that's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can stand before him in your sin, and you will face him as a judge. Or You can stand before him with a personal relationship as his child. It all depends on what you do with the gift. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple. God made it so that you didn't have to be in a church. You don't have to jump through some who. God made it so that a a child could say yes. Admit that you need a savior. That you're a sinner. That you can't get to heaven on your own. B, believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. C, you commit and you confess your sins and ask God to be your Savior. And you commit your life to him. You say, well, what does that mean? What it means is that you do the same thing Jesus did. It's not about me anymore. It's about what you want for me. I will serve you in whatever you have for me. Lord, I just want you to use me. You say, does that mean i got to change my job or go to the mission field? I don't know what it means for you. But here's what I do know from the story of Mary and Joseph we've already looked at. God loves using ordinary people in their ordinary lives. And you would be amazed at what God can do in and through your life when you give your life to him. If you're here this morning... And you never, you, you think it's about religion, or you think it's about some hoops, or you think it's, it's, it's all a sham, and I don't need that crutch. The Bible is explicit. It is very clear. One day, every knee will bow. Every knee. And you will confess him as Lord. The question is, whether you do it on this side of the grave or on that side of the grave. And, the, and, and, the, and God says, look, it's a gift. You accept me here, I accept you there. You reject me here, I reject you there. 
There's nothing more important about this story. Don't just see a baby in a manger. See someone who is willing to humble. See God himself who is willing to humble himself and become a man so that you and I could have eternal life. And he offers it as a gift to anyone, anyone who'll say, you don't know how bad it is. You don't know how bad my life is. Well, you don't know how powerful God is to save anybody. Second idea. For those of you who are Christian, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let him use you. What's interesting and the idea here is that John says he's come to be a light. One of the reasons that God saves us is so that we can be a light to other people. So that as you look at the wrapping, so to speak, of my life, you don't really see me. You see what's inside, which should be Christ in me. I appreciate a nicely wrapped gift. I appreciate a gift where somebody has taken the time and the effort to do that extra special thing with it. But you know what? What's far more important to me is what's inside. And we spend a lot of time in this world focused on the outside. You guys look great today. I don't know a lot about all of you, but here's what I do know. You didn't start out like that. When you got up this morning, you didn't look like that. Because I know I didn't. So I appreciate when you work on the outside. But the whole purpose of the outside, the whole purpose of wrapping a gift, is so that you get what's inside. And what I'm here to say this morning is I want people to be able to see Christ in me. I want you to be able to look at my life and not see me, but see my Christ. I want you to be able to look at my actions and not see somebody who's trying to schmooze their way into something or get something from you. I want you to see somebody who loves you, who will serve you, who will do whatever they can to help and encourage you. I want them to see my Christ, who is in me, sharing that with you. Because Jesus isn't here anymore. He's not walking among us. He's now put that light in us for us to share Christ with others. So as you go into this week, make sure it's not about you. Make sure it's about you serving others. This is the Christmas story. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and may that be true of our lives this week. I end with this. The incarnation reminds us that God loved us. He came to save us. It required tremendous humility on the part of God. His focus was not himself, but the will and the glory of his Father. Live in such a way this week that people see Christ in you. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Father, for some here, this is new. This is something they haven't heard. Oh, they know the stories, but it's never been personal. 
They've never received that incredible gift that you offer to anyone. The Lord, this morning I ask if people would take this time to put their faith and trust in you alone, to admit that they need a Savior, to believe that you are the only way. And Lord, to commit and confess their lives to you. Lord, for those of us that have done that, Lord, this isn't about religion. This isn't about a hoop that we jumped to this morning. It's about a relationship. And we're so grateful for a heavenly Father who came to save us. Lord, help us this week to live in such a way that we honor you with the things that we say and the things that we do and that people would see you in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.